Amen. Great to see each one of you here this morning. Thank you, first of all, for all of you who worked so hard to make our fall festival successful. Preachers always exaggerate, but I want to tell you I'm not exaggerating to let you know that probably uh, there were more than a thousand people between both campuses that came through uh, this week. Uh, easy. I over at uh, Mason Creek last night, every parking lot was full, every ball field was full, and people were still climbing out of the woods there. So uh, the same thing happened here Wednesday night. Great food, great uh, time of fellowship, and lots of fun, and and uh, giving the Christian witness also. And uh, so thank you so much for being a part of that. And then let me just say thank you for behalf of Brother Case and I, your generosity uh, for pastor appreciation was more than more than I dreamed. I think it's probably more than he dreamed too. Uh, and I just want to say thank you. And I I, I know that uh, we don't deserve that. I know you say, oh, you're just being up. No, no, we, we don't deserve that at all. Jesus gets all the glory and all the praise. And I'm just thankful to be able to be here and be a part of this great church and this service this morning. Turn, if you would, to John chapter 15. We've been in the book of John on Sunday mornings. And uh, we, we got one point covered last week. Uh, and we've got three more to cover this week. So... Uh, they have rushed me all morning, so I'm free. There's nobody has to get home before 2 or 3 o'clock today, so we're in good shape. We should have these with no problem. John chapter 15, I'll not read the scripture. We read it last week, so I'll just refer to it, but we'll be right there in John 15 this entire morning here. You remember last week we talked about that your joy may be full, that you would have joy, that you'd you just be excited for the Lord. There'd be a passion. There'd be an enthusiasm. How do you have joy? How can it be uh, your joy be full? And we talked about abiding in Christ. If you abide in Christ, first thing you've got to do is have a conviction. Jesus said in verse 1, I'm the true vine. My father is a husbandman. You're never going to amount to anything for the glory of God until you realize there is a God and there's only one God. He's God Jehovah. That's it. There's not anybody else. There's no other gods. It's, it's just one. So there's got to be a conviction. Then there's got to be a correction. Every branch in me, verse 2, that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. He's uh, talking about correction. After there's conviction, then there's correction. And then connection. He said, uh, I abide in me and I in you. We've got to be connected to him. Or we're useless. Without him, we can do nothing. And then, of course, we talked about chastisement a little bit. Uh, one of the things that we need to realize in our lives is that God has the resources to get our attention. You may think you can run from him. You may think you can do things under the cover nobody knows know anything about. But I want to tell you, God's got the resources to get our attention. If we learn that. Then we go from abiding in him this morning to abounding in service. When you abide in Jesus, you will abound in service. Verse 5 says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. He starts out in verse uh, 2 talking about uh, fruit. We started with fruit and then he moved to more fruit. And now he's in verse 5 talking about much fruit. When you abide in him and, 
and you abound in his service, there's going to be fruit, and then there's going to be more fruit, and then there's going to be much fruit. That, it's a domino effect here. And uh, instead of explaining to me this morning how hard it is to live the Christian life, mm, preacher, it's so hard to live the Christian life. I would like for a few moments to explain to you how impossible it is to abide in Christ and not have any fruit. Mm. I'm just telling you, according to the Word of God, you abide in Him, you're going to have fruit. It's going to start off with fruit, and there's going to be more fruit, and then there's going to be much fruit. I'm tired of Christian people boasting and bragging about how they're abiding in Christ, but there's no fruit. They've got it concealed about abounding in Him. Is anything coming out of you? You say, well, no. Well, maybe there's nothing in you. If there's no fruit, it's because there's no root. Some folk look like they're fruit-bearing. You ever, you ever get a peach or something that looked really good, and you bit into that thing, and it was nasty? Had a worm in it or something? Yeah, that'll help you dinner. I'm trying to get a few more minutes out of this morning. That's the way a lot of Christians are. They're putting on facade. They want everybody to think they're, they're fruit-bearing and yet they're not abounding in their service. Now, what kind of fruit are we talking about? Well, the Bible says in Galatians 5 that it's the fruit of the Spirit. We're talking about love. We're talking about joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Those are the, Now, let me put a misnomer to bed here early this morning. He does not say the fruits of the Spirit. He said the fruit of the Spirit. You say, what does that mean? That means you either got it or you ain't got it. This is not Luby's here this morning. You do not get to say, well, I like that joy. Well, I tell you, that temperance now, that's not, I didn't call to be temperate. I like that peace, but don't you expect me to be long-suffering and patient. No, you either have it or you don't. It's that simple, the fruit of the Spirit. Line upon line, precept upon precept, and you either have the fruit or you don't have the fruit. And I'm, uh, how many times people have told me, hey, I want you to know I love Jesus. Well, why is he the only one you love? There are other people that need to be loved. Well, I, I love Jesus, but I've given all my love to him. I ain't got no love for nobody else. <laughs> no. That, that's not what the Word of God says. I have never in my lifetime seen a day when Christians were as nasty as they are today. Now, I'm not talking about housekeeping. That's another whole sermon. You need to clean that house up too. Mean, unkind, selfish, self-centered, don't want to come off nothing for nobody else. And the problem is this, you're not abiding. Because if you were abiding, you'd be abounding. The fact that you're not abounding means you're not abiding. And if you're not abiding, you can't be abounding. I'm not going to repeat that again. <laughs> it's fruit of the Spirit, but it's also the fruit of souls. The Bible says, he that winneth souls is wise. Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. When I, and I preach, uh, 
wasn't called to that. I, I was called to the pew warming ministry, and I want you to know I've been faithful for years. Huh? See, the same principle applies. There's a fruit of souls, and then there's more souls, and then there's going to be much souls. The more I'm around Jesus, the more I'm wanting to witness to somebody else about the goodness of Christ. The more I want to share Jesus. See lost people at the stores. You see them at the malls. You see them at work. You see them at school. And you ought to get excited about talking with them about Christ and the joy that you get to share. And some, let me just tell you, some folk are going to slam the door in your face. Some people are going to mock you. Some people are going to turn it down. But the old boy said, that's not going to stop me. I'm a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who can change anybody. That's the Lord we serve. If you're truly abiding, there ought to be some abounding in service. You, you can't spend all day long with Jesus abiding and not want to tell somebody about him. You can't do it. So there ought to be some fruit that you're bearing. Secondly, you've got a position, and I've got a position, with the Father when we abide and abound. Verse 7 says, uh, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Hmm. I, I, if, if this is not the most misquoted scripture, it's right up there at the top. It's really right up there at the top. I, hallelujah. I'm claiming it. I'm going to claim it. I live like the devil, but I'm going to claim it. Jesus said, whatever I want, I can get. I'm going to claim John 15, 7. I ain't been to church in a long time. I ain't read my Bible. I got a dirty mouth. I got dirty hands. I've got dirty minds. I don't give. I don't go to soul winning. But I'm going to claim it. God is obligated. God ain't obligated for nothing. Let me tell you what he says. He doesn't say you shall ask what you will. It'll be done unto you. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it'll be done unto you. You say, well, preacher, what's the difference? Well, could I explain it to you? Thanks for asking. <laughs> Jesus has given us the promise here this morning that if we abide in him and he abides in us, He's going to tell us what to ask for. Huh? That's what he's saying. If I'm abiding in him and he's abounding in me, he's going to tell me what to ask for. And when I ask for what he tells me to ask for, the father says, well, the son wants that. He's going to get it. You can count on whatever Jesus asks you for. You can get but don't think you can live any way you want to live and then just pop up there and say, now, God, you're obligated. You told me I could ask what I wanted to. That's not what the Scripture says. You see, what is it Psalm says? Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of thy heart. You know what our problem is, is many of us have a desire to have things we don't have any business having. Many of us don't need, you know, people say, I, I, I fall out of love with my wife. I need a new spouse. No, you just need to fall back in love with her. That's what you need. I need a new car. I need a new house. I need a new job. I need this or that. Maybe you ought to put all those passions in your wants and all 
and, and, and that you can suffer and know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. Maybe you need to come to a place where you say, I want to serve you, Lord. I want to love you, Lord. I want to exalt you, Lord. I want to praise you, Lord. I want to thank you, Lord. I want to say you're marvelous, astounding. Oh, what a Savior in Jesus. You see, if I fall in love with Jesus, he'll not only supply the wants, he tells me what to want, he'll fill them too. I maybe not should say this. Somebody tell me to come on. <laughs> when you're abiding and abounding, that puts you on prayer ground. The real truth is, if you're not abiding and abounding, honestly, we don't even have a right to ask him for anything. I better move on. Abide in the Savior. Abound in his service. And then thirdly, act with submission. Verse 9 of chapter 15. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. I want my joy to be full. How do I accomplish that? Will you learn to love like Jesus loved? How did Jesus love? It's another domino effect. He says the Father loves the Son. The Son loves us. and We get saved. And then we love the sinners. He said, well, I don't like that part about loving the sinners. Then cut out that part about him loving us. Because that's all three parts. The Father loves the Son. The Son loves the saint. The saint loves the sinners. That's how it operates. <laughs> we used to sing an old song, Brother Dale, Jesus, what a friend of sinners. Say, ah, I don't know. Well, and then you won't like that next line either. Jesus, lover of my soul. Remember, this is not lubies. You can't pick and choose what you want. It's in the word of God. I won't be honest with you. I don't need some left winger telling me what love is. I don't need somebody to reinvent what love is, and I don't need to hear what the world thinks love is. I already know what love is. Love herein is love that we loved God, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. 1 John 4, 8, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. That's what love is. And then our scripture that we're memorizing this month. This is my commandment that you love one another as I've loved you. Greater love is no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And then he says, ye are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Brother Charles, I don't have any love. Start doing what Jesus said to do. You know the most miserable people in the world are Christians who are not living for Christ. I mean, they're miserable. The most 
miserable people are hypocrites. They've been washed in the blood, but they're still, still hanging around with hell-bound sinners. That'll make you miserable. They've been set free, but they're still acting like they're locked up. They, they got access to the throne room, but they won't pray. That's miserable. The man who got saved, but still after lusting another woman, that, that, that's miserable. The kid who's got a good church, but still wants to party every Saturday night, that's miserable. The lady who got saved to be a virtuous woman, but dressing like somebody selling her body, that's miserable. Why in the world would you even want to go back to the old world, back to the old life? I, I guess I'm just tired of trying to beg saved people to like save stuff. Bring somebody to church. What are we going to get out of it? I mean, if you don't tie a prize to it, nobody does it. Want to start a bus mission? Are we going to get Krispy Kreme? I hear that all the time. Well, we're going to do visitation. Are they serving food? You see, some of you are here this morning because mom and daddy made you come. And you're thinking under your breath, you wait till I get out of this house. I'll show them I ain't going. And many of them don't. Many of them don't. Some of you here this morning because you know if you didn't come, somebody would be calling you just as soon as they got home. Where was you at? Mm. You see, you can't, you can't fake joy when you're walking with Jesus. When you're not praying, when you're not reading your Bible, you're stinking it up as a heathen and you're stinking it up as a Christian. Because you're trying to live like a heathen and you're trying to live like a Christian and you're not doing either one of them any good. Miserable. What I do, plug into Jesus. Love the church, love your Bible, love your family, love prayer, love holy living. See, you don't have to, you don't have to fake a smile when you're abiding in Jesus. It comes natural. I think sometimes... Music directors are like Olin Mill photographers. Everybody smile. Come on, everybody smile. And we're jiggling a little clown out here so they'll smile. Let's smile so we can take your picture. Let's smile. Everybody get happy. Look like you've been sucking marbles through a gopher hole. <laughs> well, I've got news for you this morning. Let's start a new day at Woodland Hills. If you don't want to smile, then frown. Just sit there and frown. We'll know who you are. And we'll be able to pray for you and lift you up and encourage you. Just sit there and like nothing. Just frown. But quit being a hypocrite. You see, if you're smiling for somebody, as soon as we tell you to stop, you'll stop. But I want to tell you something. If you're smiling for Jesus, when you're sick, you'll still smile. When the doctor comes in and says, hey, there's nothing I can do, you'll still smile. When you're going through trials and weaknesses and trouble and you're broke and you've been lied on and mistreated, you'll still smile. When your water gets cut off, the electricity is turned off, you'll still smile. 
How in the world can I smile? Because we got a secret place under the shadow of the Almighty. We can go in there anytime we need to. At the end of the day, when your money is funny and your friends are few, you can still smile. Let me give you this last thing and I'm through. We've got to abide. We need to abound. And then we need to, uh, what's that third one? Act of submission. I just want to make sure you all were awake. This last one, we need to anticipate rejection. When you start living for Jesus and you start smiling, everybody's not going to like you. There are a lot of people that love living in the dark. Lots of them. In John chapter 6, I've never seen a time when people could sign on so much for Jesus and then the first little thing comes up, they sign off. John chapter 6, there are people everywhere. There's 5,000 men, women, children, plus 1,000 more. They're everywhere. Why are they there? Free catfish and cornbread. That's why they're there. But you start saying you got to live for Jesus and do what he says do. Suddenly they're gone. They're disappearing. Listen, he, I, I believe even the cults was out there that day. That cult said, well, man, you're a cult. You, you, you like Jesus? No, I don't like him, but the food good. That's how people are. You mean I got to be laughed at on my job? You very well could be. You mean somebody going to mock me? Very well could be. You mean some of my friends, my best friend that I've had all my life is not going to like me? He could walk away and say, I don't want none of this. Hey, sometimes at the family reunions, your name can get left off the database. And that ain't really a bad thing in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to hear him talking about Jesus again. I don't want to hear him talking about walking by faith. I don't want to hear him talking about watching and waiting for the Lord to return. When you go up to people and they shun you at work or the grocery store, Walmart, here he comes, change the subject. Let me ask you something. Are you still in? Are you still sold out to Jesus? You see, we're not Jesus. We're only ambassadors of Christ. And when they're criticizing Jesus, they're, I mean, criticizing us, mocking us, they're actually criticizing Jesus. All we're doing is representing him. We're the messenger boy. Maybe some of y'all may need to learn that as you go out to lunch today. Instead of chewing on that little waitress that's doing everything she can, she's just doing what she's told to do. I won't charge you for that. Jim Elliott, martyred missionary, said many years ago, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose. Guys, everything we've got here in this world, we're going to lose. We ain't going to be able to keep this. It's gone. 
going to burn up. But you put Jesus right here, and you'll never lose him. He's always there. Probably the greatest way to pull people out of darkness and get them to where they're having joy is to remind people who we are in Jesus. We're a child of the King. He has saved us. He died on a cross for our sins. He went to a borrowed tomb. He rose again the third day, and he made a promise that he's coming again for us. And you've got to get that identity straight. Listen to me this morning. Maybe the first thing some of you need to do in this place this morning is come and accept Jesus as your Savior. You can't abide in Christ and abound in service if you've never been in Christ. Step one is coming to get in Christ, and then, abounding in service. Baptists got that mixed up. We think the way to reach people, just talking about Baptist churches, I've been in one since I was born in 1953. I was enrolled that day, October the 8th, 1953. I became a member of a Southern Baptist church. We think, let's give them a job. Let them take the offering, let's let them be an usher, Let's put them in a Sunday. Let's throw them to the kids. Let's put them over there in them kids' ministry. Or the youth. Oh, let's put them in the youth. And then as they get stronger serving the Lord, they'll have joy. No, they won't. They'll quit. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. Not the strength of working is the joy of the Lord. You've got to get the joy of the Lord first, and then you'll serve the Lord. You'll be happy to serve the Lord. I believe the Spirit is confronting people everywhere in this place today. The question is, are you on the Lord's team? Are you in? Are you going to stay with me? Because I want to tell you, things are going to get rougher than they are now. Things are going to get more trouble than they are now. You say, how do you know that? I read it in the book. I'm just praying the Lord comes. But if he doesn't, one of the greatest things this world's going to need is children of God who have a spirit of joy. Because there's not a whole lot to be joyful about in this world. And what folk need more than anything is for us to be so sold out to Jesus. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter. Father, would you hear our cry this morning? Would your spirit be so real in this place that, God, we could not walk out without saying yes to you? Lord, I know there are several in this place today They've covered it up and they've tried to hide it, but, Lord, they need you. They need to be saved. They need a personal relationship with you. God, would you let that happen today? There are others. I'm looking at a, a great church, but, Lord, in many of our lives, we, we put on a smile at church, but we're not living the joyful life all week long. 
God, would you speak to our hearts? Bring conviction. May we be willing to sacrifice everything that our joy might be full. Maybe there's some in this place that need a church home. Lord, if that's your will, would you let that happen today? We give you the glory and we give you all the praise because we understand thoroughly in John 15, but Lord, we understand it in our everyday life. Without you, we can do nothing. All belongs to you. Have your way, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.